0: Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast, we're your hosts, I'm Kate Norris
1: and I'm Thomas Craft.
0: Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence.
1: Welcome to episode 25 of the show. Today we're doing a speech breakdown. We're doing a commencement speech, which I believe, Kate, is when a university in the United States has a graduating class. They have somebody come in and give a lengthy speech with a bit of motivation and inspiration for the life that lays ahead.
0: Yeah, the bigger universities get bigger names. so, So there's a lot of famous people who have given commencement speeches over the years.
1: The only issue we've had is that a lot of the commencement speeches that we've seen are like 25 to 30 minutes long, which is just a bit long for something we want to break down. So the one we've got today is about 11 minutes. If you, dear listener, know of any speech or presentation that's about uh, 10, 15 minutes long, please do send us a link because that's what we're looking for to do a speech breakdown on this podcast with.
0: It's a shame because there's some really good ones that I really want to have a look at and maybe we will in future episodes. We'll do maybe the first 10 to 15 minutes. It's ones like Jim Carrey and Abby Wambach that have given some fantastic commencement speeches that I'd love to have a look at on the show.
1: Yeah, there was that one from the University of Texas that I liked as well.
0: But anyway, we found someone else that I absolutely love and that is Ellen DeGeneres.
1: So we're going to play this commencement speech by Ellen and we're going to pause at any noteworthy times to comment on things that we love that she's doing or things that we would question or maybe make a recommendation about because we know that one of the best ways to become a better speaker is to watch lots of other speakers and have a a critical think about what it is that they're doing.
0: A couple of things just to put this into context because most speeches should have a context around them. So this is Ellen DeGeneres at Tulane University, which is in Louisiana in 2009 so a couple of things just worth noting about Ellen's career at this point because this was 10 years ago Mm. she was not the big name household name that she is today I mean today she's one of the most recognizable celebrities in the world but she was still quite popular she'd had a big stand-up career she'd had a sitcom that she was fired from for being gay oh right Mm. and her talk show had been going for about five or six years by now, but still, again, wasn't a huge name. It was still just a, it was still very much a growing show and community. So let's listen to Ellen at Tulane University in 2009.
2: Please join me. Welcome Ellen DeGeneres. Oh boy. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. That, uh, thank you, President Cowan, uh, Mrs. President Cowan. Uh, Distinguished guest, undistinguished guest, you know who you are, honored faculty and uh, creepy Spanish teacher. So, and thank you to all the graduating uh, class of 2009. I realize most of you are hungover and have splitting headaches and haven't slept since Fat Tuesday, but you can't graduate till I finish, so listen up.
0: Wow. Okay. So what an opening. We've talked about stand-up comedians before. A number of episodes ago, we had a look at Tina Fey and we looked at some of the humor that has been used. That's a little bit more cutting. That's a little bit more edgy. And Ellen's got the same thing going here. She says, distinguished guests, undistinguished guests, you know who you are. And what this achieves is the standing opening of having to acknowledge all of the people that she has to acknowledge but still making it really interesting and engaging. You want to listen to her, even in the generally boring bits of acknowledging the distinguished guests.
1: I think it's a nice example of a little bit of satirical comedy there, giving a bit of a nod to that process, as you say, but certainly making this presentation her own, bringing her personality and what she's known for. She's the funny lady. People are expecting her to be funny. And why would you not deliver?
0: Yeah, it makes me really excited for this speech because I know that even the serious bits are probably going to be really interesting to listen to. So I think this is a really, really good opening.
2: When I was asked to make the commencement speech, I immediately said yes. Then I went to look up what commencement meant. (laughs) Which would have been easy if I had a dictionary, but most of the books in our house are Porsches and they're all written in Australian.
1: Us Australians do English deliciously, thank you, Ellen.
0: <laughs> That's terrible. Um, interestingly, she did not get the laugh she was expecting. Then you could see she made that joke of they're all written in Australian, and I think it took people a long time to put that together and recognize that it was a joke. So, for your context, Portia de Rossi, her wife, is an Australian actress,
2: hmm.
0: and I think she, I think Ellen was expecting a bigger laugh
1: there. That was that was a bit awkward. I wonder if that joke would land better in Australia. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes some of the best comedy in Australia is having a solid dig at Australians. We love hearing how much people hate our wildlife.
2: Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So... I had to break the word down myself to find out the meaning. Commencement. Common and cement. Common cement. You commonly see cement on sidewalks. Sidewalks have cracks, and if you step on a crack, you break your mother's back. So there's that. But I'm honored that you've asked me here to speak at your common cement. I thought that you had to be a famous alumnus, alumni, alumnu, alumnus, you had to graduate from the school. and. I didn't go to college uh, here, and as uh, I don't know if President Cowan knows, I didn't go to college at all, any college. And I'm not saying you wasted your time or money, but look at me, I'm a huge celebrity.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow, that had a solid reaction. You know, it was last episode we talked about how authenticity is not the same as unprepared. I'm not super familiar with Ellen's style, but there's a style going on here, which is acting a little bit ignorant. Um, it's that little bit having that facade, maybe sort of being unprepared that alumnus, alumni, alum. I didn't graduate, which I guarantee is unbelievably rehearsed. And in her mind and practiced and probably been presented to a number of um, people around her or Mm. audiences to test that. But when it's delivered, if this is her normal style... It is, yeah. It looks super authentic, right? Even though we know that this is probably a highly prepared and rehearsed presentation. She's standing behind a lectern, but not once has she looked down at her notes. Yeah. She knows exactly what it is she's going to say. It is well prepared and super authentic and there's a particular style, but if that turns as you say. It is, I've watched uh, a lot of Ellen. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely carrying through this presentation. Mm.
2: <laughs> Although I did graduate from the School of Hard Knocks, our mascot was the Knockers. <laughs> I spent a lot of time here growing up. My mom worked at Newcomb, and I would go there every time I needed to steal something out of her purse. But why am I here today? Clearly not to steal, you're too far away, and I'd never get away with it. I'm here because of you. Because I can't think of a more tenacious, more courageous gradu- graduating class. I mean, look at you all wearing your robes. Usually when you're wearing a robe at 10 in the morning, it means you've given up. <laughs> I'm here because I love New Orleans. I was born and raised here. I spent my formative years here, and like you, while I was living here, I only did laundry six times. <laughs> when I finished school, I was completely lost, and by school I mean middle school, but I went ahead and <laughs> finished high school anyway, and I I really, I, I had no ambition, I didn't know what I wanted to do, I, I did everything from, I shucked ho- oysters, I was a hostess, I was a bartender, I was a waitress, I painted houses, I sold vacuum cleaners. I had no idea. And I thought I'd just finally settle on some job and I would make enough money to pay my rent, maybe have basic cable, maybe not. I didn't really have a plan. My point is that by the time I was your age, I really thought I knew who I was, but I I had no idea. Like, for example, when I was your age, I was dating men. (laughs) So what I'm saying is, when you're older, most of you will be gay. Is anybody writing this stuff down? Parents?
1: A clever use of storytelling that she's using here, I believe for the primary purpose of being relatable. So she's talking about when she was that age, those number of in-between sort of jobs that she had, leaving out the detail but making it relatable to this audience about sort of telling them what they're looking at she understands this audience she can talk to them about what they're about where they are in life and i think almost there's the element there where she's talking about how where she did all these in between sort of jobs and has ended up where she's ended up but this audience i think she's trying to make them feel like they're one step better because they went to college, they graduated um, and are probably in a better position than she was at the same age.
0: Interesting. I got a different thing from that, which is it doesn't matter if you're lost at the moment, it doesn't mean you'll be lost forever.
1: Mm, I can see that, yes.
0: Or maybe not necessarily lost. If you're not successful today, it doesn't mean you won't be in the future. Mm. Or maybe if you don't feel successful today, it doesn't mean that you won't be in the future.
1: Mm. And also I've noticed she has... Her pattern is she has a bit of a serious moment and then a joke on the end and then a bit of a serious moment and a joke on the end. Again, we expect the funny lady to be funny, um, but also say some...
2: Poignant things. Poignant, good word. (laughs) Is anybody writing this stuff down? Parents? (laughs) Anyway, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and... The way I ended up on this path was from a very tragic event. I was uh, maybe 19 and my girlfriend at the time was killed in a car accident. And I passed the accident and I didn't know it was her and I kept going. And I found out shortly after that it was her. And I was living in a basement apartment. I had no money. I had no heat, no air. I had a mattress on the floor and the apartment was infested with fleas, and I was soul-searching. I was like, why is she suddenly gone, and there are fleas here? I don't understand. There must be a purpose, and wouldn't it be so convenient if we could just pick up the phone and call God and ask these questions? And I started writing, and what poured out of me was an imaginary conversation with God, which was one-sided, and I finished writing it, and I looked at it, and I said to myself, And I hadn't even been doing stand-up, ever. There was no club in town. I said, I'm gonna do this on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, at the time he was the king, and I'm gonna be the first woman in the history of the show to be called over to sit down. And several years later, I was the first woman in the history of the show, and only woman in the history of the show, to sit down because of that phone conversation with God that I wrote. And I started this path of of stand-up, and it was, Successful, and it was great, but it was hard because I was trying to please everybody and I had this secret that I was keeping that I was gay and I thought if people found out, they wouldn't like me, they wouldn't laugh at me. Then my career turned into, I got my own sitcom and uh, that was very successful, another level of success and I thought what if they find out I'm gay then they'll never watch and um, this was a long time ago. You probably, this was when we just had white presidents. But anyway, this was back (laughs) many years ago.
1: Are you familiar with this story about where sort of Ellen came from?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I know her very well. I could give you word for word her first stand up performance. Oh wow! (laughs)
1: Um, I'm not at all familiar. I've not heard this story before. Uh, It's a good story, and she tells it really well. I'm just, I just found that story from you know the the car accident, the terrible living conditions, through to um, her sitcom, through to her being on TV, just utterly compelling. I'm listening to it, like properly listening to it. It's told well.
0: She speaks very clearly. I find her quite articulate.
2: Oh yeah, yes. Many years ago. And I finally decided that I was living with so much shame and so much fear that I just couldn't live that way anymore and I decided to come out and make it creative and my character would come out at the same time and it wasn't to make a political statement it wasn't to do anything other than to free myself up from this heaviness that I was carrying around and I just wanted to be honest and I thought what's the worst that can happen I can lose my career I did I lost my career I got the the show was canceled after six years without even telling me I read it in the paper um, the phone didn't ring for three years I had No offers. Nobody wanted to touch me at all. Um, And yet I was getting letters from kids that almost committed suicide but didn't because of what I did. And I realized that I had a purpose, and it wasn't just about me, and it wasn't about celebrity, but I felt like I was being punished, and it was a bad time. I was angry. I was sad. And then I was offered a talk show. And the people that offered me the talk show tried to sell it, and most stations didn't want to pick it up. Most people didn't want to buy it because they thought nobody would watch me. And uh, really, when I look back on it, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, it was so important for me to lose everything because I found out what what the most important thing is, is to be true to yourself. And uh, ultimately, that's, that's what's gotten me to this place. I don't live in fear. I'm free. I have no secrets. And I know I'll always be OK because no matter what, I know who I am. So in conclusion, When I was younger, I thought success uh, was something different. I thought, when I grow up, I want to be famous. I want to be a star. I want to be in movies. When I grow up, I want to see the world, drive nice cars. I want to have groupies. (laughs) To quote the Pussycat Dolls.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, I did not see that coming.
2: (laughs) I
1: feel like I should be ashamed that I recognised the song, I think, slightly before you did. Listening to what's in between, what it is that she's saying, and uh, again, she has still not yet looked down. If there is notes on that lectern, she has not looked at them. I don't think there is. While she's telling this story, I notice there's a bit of pause, there's a bit of um umming and ah ahhing. It feels really authentic, not just to Ellen as a person, but to conversation. When we have conversation, there are strange pauses when we're thinking, there are ums, there are ahs. It feels like an authentic presentation. It feels like she's standing up and just sharing a story because she feels that people need to hear it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually really hate what she did there with the pussycat dolls. I mean, it was funny. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I... I... It
1: was a a moment of realisation, I think, for me (laughs) there.
0: Yeah, for sure but I think I was really getting into the success talk and I was feeling a bit motivated and then she transitioned into the song and it kind of lost the gravity of it to me, I think.
1: Kind of snapped you out of the story a bit. It
0: really did. I'm hoping that she picks it back up.
1: I'm imagining... So I've never seen this talk before. Neither. My expectation is that she will pick it up and the Pussycat Dolls... (laughs) It's an awful word to say. (laughs) And the Pussycat Dolls reference is just a little pattern break in there, because it's, it's a bit of a heavy story, it's a bit of a dark story. So, to then just drop a moment of lightness in, quick pattern break, and I imagine we're about to hear it pick straight back up again.
2: Mm. To quote the Pussycat Dolls How many people thought it was boobies, by the way? It's not, it's groobies. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was when boobies.
1: When I go, I want to be a star, I want to have boobies. I
0: thought it was boobies.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I'm again offended that I know the Pussycat Dolls' lyrics better than you
2: do. <laughs> I thought it was babies. But my idea of success is different today. And as you grow, you'll realise definition of success changes. For many of you, today's success is being able to hold down 20 shots of tequila. For me, the most important thing in your life is to live your life with integrity and not to give in to peer pressure to try to be something that you're not, to live your life as an honest and compassionate person, to contribute in some way. So to conclude my conclusion, follow your passion, stay true to yourself, never follow someone else's path unless you're in the woods and you're lost and you see a path, and by all means you should follow that. Don't give advice. It'll come back and bite you when they ask. Don't take anyone's advice. So my advice to you is to be true to yourself and everything will be fine. And I know that a lot of you are concerned about your future, but there's no need to worry. The economy is booming. The job market is wide open. The planet is just fine. It's gonna be great. You've already survived a hurricane. What else can happen to you? And as I mentioned before, some of the most devastating things that happen to you will teach you the most. And now you know the right, what, the right questions to ask for your first job interview, like is it above sea level? <laughs> so to conclude my conclusion that I previously concluded in the Common Cement speech, I guess what I'm trying to say is life is like one big Mardi Gras, but instead of showing your boobs, show people your brain and if they like what they see, you'll have more beads than you know what to do with. And you'll be drunk, most of the time. So to the Katrina class of 2009, I say congratulations, and if you don't remember a thing I said today, remember this, you're gonna be okay, dum doo doom, doom, doom. just dance.
1: So right at the end there, music comes on and she does her signature thing of running through the aisles of the audience dancing. Everybody yep. got up and danced, like, oh, some solid audience participation. A little oh, it's bit an
0: of Ellen thing. Yeah, it's her signature. Her
1: brand, really, isn't
0: it? It's worth noting if you do go and watch this, which is it's worth
1: it. As always, link is in the show notes.
0: It's quite amusing. You see the she's dancing through the aisles of the graduating class and you see a shot of the cameraman like looking for her, like running around confused with the camera trying to find her. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Alright, anyway, physicality and message. Let's start with physicality. What did we see?
1: I mentioned it in there. She's standing behind a lectern, as is the protocol for these commencement speeches. Mm -hmm. You can only see her from sort of, what, the chest up at best. Mm -hmm. I noticed there was some hand gestures, but she did use her face and her eyes a fair bit. She looked around that audience a lot. Uh, But it is worth noting, if she had notes, she did not look down at them, which makes me think she had this speech really well internalised And I think the opening and the conclusion, she probably had nearly memorised. But that story in the middle was, yeah, just quite authentic. It had been internalised. She knew what she was going to say, but it still felt natural as she was saying it.
0: I reckon you're probably wrong. I reckon she's probably given that speech a hundred times to various audiences. I reckon it's memorised. I think it's just so rehearsed that it's gone back to being natural.
1: Certainly looks natural. If it's rehearsed at that point, that's admirable.
0: I reckon it is. I don't know, obviously, but I reckon it is. Mm. Hmm. So then the message, what did you get?
1: I think if I sort of interpolate what was said there, she talked about how she had once not felt successful and she was sort of speaking to the audience, I believe, as individuals about how you may not feel successful now um, and that you'll be okay. And so the message I think was that you'll be okay and that there are different definitions of success. there was the bit in the middle there about um, success can be being compassionate and helping others um, rather than where she has clearly gotten to, that sort of celebrity status, which she did not brag about at all, which a lesser speaker could have easily fallen into that trap. What did you get as a message, Kate?
0: There were two for me. There was that one that we did talk about and identify in the middle there, which is the just because you don't feel successful today doesn't mean you won't be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then there was the second one that seemed quite prominent. And that was just because something bad happens, just because you've got some sort of major catastrophic disaster in your life doesn't necessarily mean that that's the end. Like she said, her entire career fell over. She couldn't get work for years her show got cancelled in 98, I believe, and then her talk show she got in 2003. So there's kind of a oh, five-year wow. yeah, five gap there. It was huge. So not a particularly unique message, but a really prominent one in her life that she's able to pass on.
1: Yeah, and she had the stories and the philosophy there to carry that.
0: Yeah, simple, effective, appropriate messages for a graduating university class.
1: And a shorter commencement speech than most that we've seen, to the point, which is nice. <music> So that was Ellen DeGeneres giving the commencement speech at Tulane University in 2009. If you have any comments on what you thought about this speech, we would love to hear it. We'd love to have that conversation. Mm. Please do reach out to us. Uh, We have links to our LinkedIn and our Facebook down in the show notes below. Thank you for listening to us today. And you'll hear from us next week with another guest interview.
0: Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have a speech you'd like us to listen to and break down on the show, flick us the link at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts or take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information of this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend.
1: Have a great week. cameraman flying everywhere. <laughs>